When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Just listen up right there. Right, Jesus, there's a massive crowd around Jesus, and he gives orders to everyone. He says, Cross over to the other side. And then this religious guy, right, this teacher of the law, this guy who's apparently the guy who knows about God and all the stuff, comes up to Jesus and, and kind of, it's almost like a sense of, I'm the man, and he sort of says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' answer to him is this. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, he's saying, really? Like, do you really want to go? Do you actually know where I'm going? Like, religious guy, Christian guy, whatever, like, that is coming up to Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And he's like, all he says is, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, he's saying, are you sure about that? Do you understand who I am? Do you understand where I'm going that you're going to follow me? It goes on to say, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, in this case, he's saying, where I'm going, this is an urgent matter. There are things that I've got to do and there are things, and if you really want to follow me, like, I haven't got time for you to wait to do that. Let the dead bury their own dead because I've got to go somewhere. It says then in verse 23, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Now the disciples are following him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Everyone say, but Jesus was sleeping. With a big echo. Jesus was asleep. He was tired. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus said back to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was a great, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They're like, what, who is this guy that we jump in the boat with him? We go out onto the sea, all right? Things get crazy. It's like they're in a storm, they're in a boat. They can't see Jesus. Jesus is asleep. Jesus gets up and speaks to the wind, speaks to the waves, and the Bible says there's a great calm. And they're like, who is this guy? And I want to talk to you on the title and the subject is a great calm. Turn to your neighbor and say, calm down. Calm down. That's it. All right, now stop. Sweet. Who here has got a grandmother? Most people, most people have grandmothers here. Well, I've got a grandmother, right? Listen up. My grandmother is the most famous old lady in the North Shore of Auckland in New Zealand. She's known as the Pixie. Me and my brother, we were really nice to our grandmother. And uh, we gave her a name when we were young. And we remember, I remember we were up at a mountain called Mount Ruapehu. And she was sitting on a chairlift. And we are like... I can't remember what happened. I think it was my brother that said it. She looks like a snow pixie. And grey, white hair. And then from then on, she was known as the pixie. And when we were a bit naughty and, uh, at our house and having parties and stuff like that, and people would come around and people would just be chanting for the pixie. Pixie, pixie. Because she was a legend. 
and all my mates knew her, and she's real funny, and she's kind of crazy, and she does some weird things, and she, like, she's nearly, nearly 90, and she was here in Australia just a few days ago, actually, came over to visit with my parents, and she came a year ago, they came over, and she kind of does silly things sometimes, and here she is, and she goes up and down this massive driveway in New Zealand, and she's fallen over and broken a leg, and she's got metal in her leg, and kind of just loves the attention, and she's a... She's a lovely old lady, but she's got a few funny quirks. And here we were walking along Huskisson last year, along by the, the, where the pool is there, and there's the little ledge thing there, and it's about that high. And she's standing on the edge of it, and she's like, I mean, my dad, we're looking at her, and we're going, what's she doing? Like, she does weird things. And like, she's going to jump. And like, she's like, going like this, and yeah, she, she jumps off. And we're just like, oh, no. Because the bones are just like, brutal as. She just hits the deck, and just, and people watching must have thought, man, those two guys are so mean to that lady. They don't even care. Because we're just standing there going, and this guy runs past us, he's like picking her up, and we're just going, she does it all the time. You don't understand. And we went over and we, we, we love it. She's a, she's a, I love her with all my heart, trust me, but she's the pixie, we've got a connection, we've got a deal. She's awesome. She just does stuff. And she did this last year. And... It wasn't good because it ruined my parents' holiday because they had to get a wheelchair for her and push her around. She loves being wheeled around, loves the attention, loves to get on the airplane. Like, she's crazy. And I say all that to say that just to introduce you to the pixie because she's another member you haven't heard of my stories. But she did lots of silly things. And I remember one time I saw her and she, had, she wears glasses and she does all sorts of things. Like she'll be sitting there and falling asleep, you know, just like having dinner. You know, you're like, pixie, wake up. And she's like, I'm not asleep. I'm just resting my eyes. I'm like, oh, you're just resting your eyes. Just the other night at my house, sitting there looking across at her, and she's alone with dad. I'm like, she's resting her eyes again. Pixie, wake up. I'm just resting my eyes, she says. Like, okay. Mm. All right, where am I going with this? That's right. She does lots of crazy things. And here she is one day when I was younger, and she was looking for her glasses. And she's looking all around the house, and she's, she's English. She's got a funny accent. I won't actually try to do it. I won't be able to do it right. But she's looking all around the house and she's looking for her glasses and I noticed that they're on her head. You know, she's got them on her head and we're just like helping her look and, you know, or maybe they're under here and, you know, just kind of like check it out. It's like goes on and on and on again. And I'm pretty sure I even say, hey, Pixie, I think maybe they're on your head. <laughs> and even that, she's disbelief. Oh, they are not. But we get to the stage where she realises they are on her head. And I say that to say, that story, that long introduction to the legendary pics, that sometimes in life, you're looking for something that you already have with you. Right? Have you ever done that before? You've been looking for something. I remember one time I was looking for a set of car keys, I think it was, and then I realised they were in my hand. I'm related to the pixie. I'm a younger version. But have you ever done that before? And you just have a moment of stupidity, and you're looking for something and you realize you already have it. That's right, I see those hands up the back. Praise Jesus. We're all the same. And I was thinking about this verse, and I've got to tell you, like, I, I was a bit stuck for a message this week, and I was asking God, and you know, sometimes it is hard to come up with a word. And I went to bed, and I have this Bible reading plan on my phone, on the version thing. You should get that if you've got an iPhone, get version. It's real awesome. It's real cool. J-Dog will represent. And that dude that came to our conference, he, he actually helped make that 
18 million copies have been downloaded around the world. It's a very good application for your iPhone. And so I was reading this plan, right? And I don't know about you, but at night when you're reading Bibles, I get really tired. Like, it's probably the worst time for me to read it, but that's when I sort of do it. My Bible reading is often before bed. And I said to God, I said, I just prayed and said, God, will you speak to me through this reading tonight? I want you to show me something through the Word because I'm kind of, I don't have a word for youth and I need one. And so I started to read and I was reading Matthew 8. And I was already like getting sleepy, like first little bit. I'm just like, uh, you know, you're just reading and nothing's going in. You don't understand a thing and you've read half a page. Yeah. Doing that. And then I got to the point where I just about turned the phone off. And as I was reading, I had this thought, I really want to preach out of the, the passages where Jesus is in the boat. For some reason, I just really love the stories about when Jesus is in the boat, that when there's storms and he climbs out and he's asleep and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, I'd like to just do a message out of that. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to turn my phone off because in my head I know what I really want to preach anyway. But yet I've asked God to show me. But for some reason, I just kept reading. Because in Matthew 8, you'll find there's quite a few different stories in Matthew 8. There's one, two, three, four, five different things going on in the chapter. And then I kept reading, and then it comes to this part where Jesus got in the boat. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. And I really did take that, that that was a word from God for me to speak to you tonight. And so I can't go wrong. I come up, I speak about this, and this is how it works, because I believe God told me to speak it. And not being fruity about that, it was crazy. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And then so I just went to sleep and then also prayed again. I'm pretty weird. But then God would speak to me even when I go to sleep and in a dream about something I can get out of it. I don't remember having a dream, but I woke up this morning and I got some cool stuff out of it and wrote it down. And if you look into the first part of that story, like I said, the teacher of the law came to him and said, I'll follow you. And Jesus answers and says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I've got nowhere to call home. In other words, I believe what he was saying is that you want to follow me, you want to choose me, you want to walk with me, but I'm not quite sure if you understand where I'm going. I'm not sure if you understand who I am, and I'm not 100% sure that you understand what it means to follow after me. And, and for many of us, you know, we, we, we can do that. And I see this in youth culture, people come in and out of church and make decisions, they say, yep, I want to follow Jesus. Well, I mean, we may, may never see them again. They might come back the next week. People come in, they come out, they drift away from God, whatever. Because I think at times we don't really understand what it means to say I want to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to be a follower of him. Because it is a powerful thing and it's living a life that is, is the best life on earth, but it takes sacrifice and it's a life that is different to what everybody else is doing and it's going against the grain and it is not popular in today's society, at schools and everything else. To say you're a Christian and say you're going to church on Sunday, it's not really a popular subject. And even Christians here at times would have trouble saying that to their friends without feeling like, well, I hope that you don't, but I understand if you do, that people think it's kind of weird and not the cool thing to do. We've got the disciple guy as well. He said the same thing. He says, hang on a minute. I've got to just go and bury my father. And Jesus says, nah, if you're going to come with me, let the bed dear, dead bury the dead. And again, there is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of, I'm on a mission. And you've got to understand, at this time, Jesus was walking the earth. This really happened. Jesus was walking the earth, living out this gospel so that we could read it, so we could see it many, many years later. And this thing called Christianity is very, very real. And here he is, and the disciples are following him. And he says, I, I, got, I haven't got a lot of time. 
and I've got to go. And if you want to follow me, leave the dead things behind and come and follow me. And you know, Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is life. When we choose Jesus, we live life abundantly. And I find it interesting that he says, let the dead things deal with the dead things and come after me. And so here they go right from here and they jump into the boat and they're cruising along the water and it says, suddenly there was a storm. Like straight away. They follow Jesus. After he's just said these things, he's made it pretty clear. To follow me is maybe not what you think. It's a hard thing. He's told everyone else to go over the other side and some people decide to jump in the boat with him and then all of a sudden there's a storm. Suddenly, bang, the waves arrive, the storms come, everything begins to be shaken up in the boat. And often people choose Jesus, they follow him, they begin to walk with him, and suddenly there's a storm. Because when you get saved, when I gave my life to Jesus, you know what? Not everybody was happy about it. I was. I thought, this is the way I've got to go. This is what I want to do. This is the way I want to live. I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm hungry. I need a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. I'm a really, really big sinner, and he's a really, really big, awesome Savior, and I'm going to connect myself with him because I need this. And all of my friends and all the people that I knew and the people in my world did not find it as exciting as me because it pushed buttons in there, because often other people are hungry for the same things and but they don't know, they, they don't make that choice. And people often, you know, we hear about the tall poppy, they want to pull you down to their level to make themselves feel better. But sometimes when we become Christians, and many of you here, I'd say pretty much everyone in this room that I know of has put their hand up and at one point and said, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make this decision. But then when you think about these disciples in the boat, right, they're in the boat, the storm comes, and yet Jesus is nowhere to be seen. And the thought that I got is that often Christians come, and especially young people, and they choose God. They say, I want to live for you. And then maybe a week later, Jesus is nowhere to be seen. In their life, in Facebook, whatever it is, you know, it's like, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. And then on Wednesday, it's just like FML, something like that. And it's like, where's Jesus gone? Didn't you get in the boat with him? I'm sure you jumped in Jesus' boat and he was with you and you sailed out. Possibly a storms came and he's nowhere to be seen. And now this is coming out because I can't see Jesus. Because if you're really lost and you need help, you see these disciples, in the end, they realized and they understood that Jesus was in the boat with them. And I can see this. It's like a trend with young people that they sort of like... They make a decision. They make a, a, a step to God, but then over time or something happens, a storm comes, and then they turn away from God. And here's the thought, right? These guys are here in the boat. Jesus is on the boat, and he's asleep. And he's not asleep because he doesn't care about them. Storms come. They're freaking out. They don't know what to do. They're probably bailing out water and trying to throw it over the other side. And Jesus, he is just cruising. He's, he's at peace. He's asleep downstairs in the boat because he's a king of peace. And he's content. He knows where he's going. And I reckon this story is like, he tells the story. Whoo! He tells the story to make a point. Not that he doesn't care about the people in the boat, but when they come to him and they wake him up, you can imagine them, Jesus, wake up. 
And he's like, what does he say to them? Not like, yeah, sure, come fix up this for you. He just says, you of little faith. You of little faith. And I reckon there's a point that Jesus makes that when he can't be seen in your boat, it's because you haven't woken him up, because you don't really understand that he's there, that where you're going, you don't really know what you've chosen. And when storms come, instead of turning to Jesus, you're trying to deal with it all yourself. And you're trying to bail out the water, and you're trying to throw some things out. And you know, I look at, and maybe Christianity doesn't fit your lifestyle right now. Maybe the thing that you long for, the thing that you hunger for, the thing that you want, the thing that you've chosen does not suit your lifestyle, does not suit your friends around you. And then you go back to school and suddenly, Jesus is in your boat, but suddenly there's a storm and you're faced with a, with a test. Do I say I'm a Christian now? Do I say I'm going to church now? Or do what do I do? Because I don't know, I want Jesus, I want him to be in my boat, but yeah, I know he's asleep, but I'm not sure if I should wake him up or not. And we go through storms. You know, as I look across this room right now, there are people in this room that have got storms going on in their life. Not everyone's got problems going on right now, but I know that humanity brings storms. With Jesus, without Jesus, there's storms. To become a Christian doesn't mean the storms are gone. It just means you've got in the boat with him. But he's got to be somewhere to be seen. He's got to be in your life. He's got to be in your boat. He's got to be awake in your life. And I look across the room and I see, and I know that there's people in here who've had fathers that have let them down. Fathers that people have looked up to and, and, and seen as a role model and seen as the strength of their family and everything else that have let them down. And over, over life's journey, there's been a storm and we can be young here, but you can still have seen and been through a lot of things at a young age which begins to set you up for who you are in the future. And, and, and I look across the room and there's broken families. There's things that have happened and you've grown up and you've been in places of turmoil. You've been in places where, where you've been in the boat and you're not, not necessarily being a Christian or whatever, but you've gone through life and there has been storms and there has been ups and downs and you can't understand it and you just don't understand why you would be allowed to go through this or why God would let you go through this and your family has been a mess and everything's messed up. I look across the room and there's people here with low self-esteem who, who just can't stand to look at themselves in the mirror because of things that have happened in their life and they struggle with identity and friendships and do, do my friends like me and can I connect to that group? And I don't think these people want to connect with me anymore and I just don't know who I am anymore. And that's a huge storm for a young person to be going through. That's massive. That's messed up to have to deal with that every day as you go through your life feeling bad about yourself because you're in a storm because apparently you don't dress the right way or you're not the right size or body shape or whatever because you've got something going on and you're now going through a storm and you're in a boat and suddenly you find everything messed up. There's people that are in this room that have got major regrets in life, that you've done things even already at a young age. I've got news for you. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came and he defeated every sin. He defeated every single thing on the cross so we could be free and we could be free indeed. But you're in a storm. Some of you have got unforgiveness towards people. You've got something you're harboring in in your heart and you're not quite sure how to work it out. And you've got something, you've got bitterness inside and it causes you to find yourself continually in a storm and you feel anxious and you don't know what to do about the situation. And if Jesus is on your boat, all you got to do is wake him up. It's not that he's asleep from the point of view of, you know, we got to make Jesus come to life, but he's there in your life 
But it's up to you how you respond to him. It's up to you, do we have little faith? Or have we got great faith that Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world is in our boat? He's asked us to follow him. Actually, it's his boat. It's not our boat. And these disciples, I reckon they took a while. And I don't understand because they've walked with him. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him bring people back from the dead. They've seen all of this stuff. And he's downstairs sleeping and they're just like freaking out ah, because they're in a storm. What, you think God that's in the boat is going to let you all drown? Like, they just never seem to get it. Which is why Jesus always said, like, man, you have your little faith. How long must I be with you? He said all these things you just don't understand. I want to follow you. Yeah, but you know what? Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Let the dead bury the dead. We've got to go. We're on a mission. And I believe that we, we, we go through our storms, and some of you have been in storms where you're trying to bail out the water. You're trying to flick stuff out. You're trying to throw stuff overboard to lighten the load. And some of you have even thought about throwing yourself overboard to lighten the load. Because this is what happens in our lives. We, we, we grow up, and young people even take their own lives because they don't know how to deal with their storms. They haven't got the right people around them, they haven't got the right systems in place. And you know what? We need to seek counsel. We can do all that stuff when we go through problems. But I want to tell you what, not to take away from all those other methods, that Jesus, though, is the King of Peace. And He is the King. And He's the guy that can speak to the storm. He can speak to nature. He can speak to everything. And it must be calm. And the anxiousness in your life at times can be calmed by the voice of Jesus. I've got some friends some years ago, I got a friend by the name of Levi, a young guy that we used to go skating together. I would have been about 12 or 13 years old, maybe 14, can't remember. We go skating up the local ramp and good mate of mine, like perfectly normal kid, great family, got everything going for him. I get a phone call one day. Levi's decided to take his own life. And I'm like, what? We're all just like, what? Are you serious? Like, here's this guy. He looks like he's got it all together. He's a good friend of ours. He's all, all sweet. Turns out he had storms going on in his life and in his head and in his mind and stuff going on, which he didn't know how to deal with. And he decided to try bail everything out of the boat and he jumped out himself. This is what happens with young people sometimes in our world. It's a very, very true thing. It's a bit of a deep, scary message tonight, but this is what I had laid on my heart last night while I slept and woke up this morning. I just wrote it all down. A few months later after that, Levi's best friend and another friend of mine, Shane, goes and does the exact same thing. And we're just going, again, didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Just totally messed up. Shane, what the heck? And you start to think, man, should I have just got around Shane? Or could I sort of said something? And, and, but we, we can't hold ourselves responsible. But what the heck happened to a young person that things got so bad in their life that they decided that it was over and they had to jump out of the boat. He had a little brother called Damo. And Damo was like an up-and-coming rugby player. They say he was going to be an all-black. Damo came to church with me back in Auckland. He was, he was getting into it. I don't know if he made a decision for God and we didn't hang out all the time. He's a bit younger than me. And you know what? A few months after that, Damo... Damo, Shane's little brother, goes into town one night to Auckland City nightclubbing and decides to do the same thing as well. True story. 
three friends, all in the space of a year. Two guys did the exact same thing as far as how it outworked. The other guy was a little bit different, but he took his own life. Damon would have been about 14. Left another little brother behind. No one else did it. I'm not gonna, there's not no more. But yeah, that's a hard, bit of a hard message, bit of a hard thing to say. And I just say that to say and use that extreme that people go through storms in life and they don't always know what the answer is. They don't always know where to turn. And I can honestly, honestly stand here today and say that I'm someone who's lived a pretty crazy life, a pretty out there life. I've tried to do many, many things. I've lived without God. I've lived with God. I've slipped away from God. I've come back to God. I've kind of been around the mountain at times and stuff like that. But I can honestly say that the answer to this life, the answer to this world is Jesus. And sometimes we can come to church and things can get dry and we can just think, whatever, we just come, what do we do the songs for? We, we do the songs and let's worship because we actually believe that there is a, a God and He sent His Son to earth. And we read this amazing book called the Bible, which is full of mysteries and hidden things. And I realize that Jesus is with us. And when we get in our boat and when the storms rise up, He is with us. But many of you are living lives where you've accepted Him, you've chosen Him, but yet you, He's still asleep, really, on your boat. And that when the storm's coming and everything else, he's nowhere to be seen. And I just want to challenge you right now as, as we're coming to an end. If you want to just come and get out of your seat. If you want to make a recommitment tonight and you want to say, I want to, oh, I, I know Jesus is on my boat and, and at times he's nowhere to be seen. I challenge you right now just to come out of your seat. Just as everybody stands to their feet. And come to the front of the church and, you know, make a recommitment to him tonight. Kind of like wake up the Jesus within you. Maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe the storm is so hard and you don't know where to turn. I want to tell you, Jesus is the answer.